you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 37 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. We are so appreciative of those prayers and support. Um, Please, please keep it up. You guys are great. In episode 36, we come to the conclusion of my interview with Dan Enright on Jesus Unveiled in the Gospels. This week, we demonstrate how the Gospel of John, just like the previous three, clearly teaches that Jesus is God. This interview will not only strengthen your faith, but will also serve as a tremendous evangelistic tool in spreading the gospel, particularly with Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, I want to tell you all about a new podcast that I really love. It's called The Faithful Podcast with Stephanie Baker, my wife, and she interviews several different people uh, about once a month concerning uh, trials that they've gone through and how they've learned to stay faithful to our Savior through those trials. You can find it at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on iTunes, The Faithful Podcast with Stephanie Baker. Well, if you've been blessed by this episode, uh, I really want to encourage you to leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. In 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, and you can find that book on Amazon. And again, if it's a blessing to you, please take a little bit of time to leave an honest review there. Also, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Fall's Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. You can contact BDK at omegafrequency.com, and you can send in questions for that Q&A show there. In addition to our own channels, you can find each of our podcasts at fourthwatchradio.com or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. Finally, the early Christian quotes I use generally can be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and you can purchase your copy for a mere $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, so please go check that out. All right, well, without any further ado, let's jump into episode 37, Jesus Unveiled in the Gospels with Dan Enright, part four. All right, well, we're back with Dan Enright hitting part four of our series on Jesus unveiled in the Gospels as God. And this time we're looking at the Gospel John, my good buddy Dan Enright here. Dan, thanks so much for for hanging with us all this time. And you've been doing a fantastic job showing through the scriptures, through the Gospels and the Old Testament quotations in them are hints in the Old Testament that Jesus is God. So let's let's jump right in. Just like the other uh, Gospels, the Synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke showed right from chapter one that Jesus is God. 
John does the exact same thing. He sure does, and in such a unique way. In fact, he goes all the way back to Genesis with how he presents Jesus. And in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. Mm. And those that language takes us all the way back to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. Mm. And In the beginning what? In the beginning, God. Mm. So, Arche. Yeah. Right? That's right. So, um, what John does is he says, in the beginning, the Logos. Mm. And speaking of Jesus the Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm. Uh, That's just super strong language. And and John is so unique in putting it the way he does. Uh, But he basically says that he he takes um, this idea from Genesis and basically applies it to um, what we'll later, what we'll find out is Jesus, the Word. Mm. And so he starts out strong mm. with, uh, with his identification of who he's about to write about, who's, who he's about to tell his readers about. Yeah. And there's another section in, in, in John chapter 1 that I think bears some um, attention because it kind of sets the stage for what John's emphasis is mm. in in his gospel. How how is it that his gospel is unique, just like the other three? The synoptics are unique in uh, in their own right, and it has to do with with Jesus uh, calling his first disciples. And in John one, uh, starting in verse forty, uh, one of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So the next day, in, in verse 33, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found, he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Mm. And that's exactly what John invites us to do in the yeah. Gospel of John. Right? Come and see. Yeah. Who is this Jesus? And really there's no stronger sense I think of a gospel writer expressing the divine nature of Christ than John. Mm. And this has historically been called the, the gospel that has that high Christology. Right. Um, and, and it is more direct. And, but the way John does it is unique to him. Mm. But we've also seen, of course, with the other podcasts, how uh, Jesus is presented as the God of Israel in the synoptics. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's John's, basically his invitation to us. Yeah. Come and see. Yeah, like so, Mark's, who is this? Yes. Even, yeah. Yeah, the whole point of that passage is yeah. Yeah, to answer that question, who is this? Right. And so that's what we're going to do here with the, yeah. with the Gospel of John. Right. And to, to me, if, if we're looking for the, the true identity of Jesus Christ, it always seems to be that the Pharisees 
and the scribes and the Sadducees come to our rescue to help answer that question. Right. Right. Uh, especially in John. And in, in, in John, we, we really see the, um, the adversarial um, attitudes of the Jewish leadership mm. towards Jesus. So there's a lot of conflict and it escalates and it gets intense yeah. in, in several moments. And on three occasions, there are um, instances where the Jewish leadership um, try to kill Jesus. Mm. And so the first of those is in John 5, and starting in verse 1, um, this has to do with a healing mm. at, uh, at the pool, the pools of Bethesda yeah. in Jerusalem. Um, so after, the, after this, there was a feast of the Jews starting in 5.1, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So people would come to these pools um, for healing. Mm. And they, they've actually been excavated. You can yeah. visit Israel and, and see these. Um, so there was an instance where a, a man wanted to be healed. He was in the pool. Um, well, he wanted to get to the pool, but there was no one to put him in the pool. And Jesus comes up and... Um, this and, is one of my favorite passages. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Do what we want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and basically, he, he heals um, the man. Mm. Um, and it's noted in, in, uh, in the text in verse 9 that it was the Sabbath. Mm. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your, your bed. Jesus basically can't commanded him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Mm. And so... What the Jews saw at that moment was that this man was working on the Sabbath by carrying his, his mat. Yeah. Um, then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Mm. And then at this moment, all Hades broke loose, yeah. because we see in the very next verse, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Mm. So there's a very direct statement yeah. from John that Jesus... And the thing about that, that really why the, the place went nuts is because of Jesus' statement, my father is working until now and I am working. Yeah. So it was the belief that even on the Sabbath, God, the Lord, was still holding the universe together Yeah. as, it, as it's just existing yeah and so jesus equated himself with that hey if if the father's working i am too mm. and that's why the charge came against jesus you're calling yourself you're making god your own father making yourself equal with with god yeah i mean you can see parallels to that in luke i think it's like chapter six when he calls himself the lord of the sabbath yes right absolutely and is it lawful to do 
to do good or to do harm on the right. Sabbath. So that, yeah, and he tells the man, stretch out his hand. So, yes. Yeah. And they try to kill him there too. It says from that moment on, they plotted they to plotted. kill him. Yeah. And, and Jesus, his words, the, you know, man was made for the Sabbath, not Sabbath. Yep. No, the Sabbath was made for man, not, not man, man for, for the, the Sabbath. Sabbath. Yep. Yeah, got that reversed. Yeah, man. So um, this is one occasion where it's, it's clear what Jesus was saying. And Jesus at any moment could have dissolved the, the tension by saying, hey, wait, wait. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. L- listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. Hold on, you know, put the rocks down, whatever. Yeah. But he doesn't. Right. And, uh, and so that's very telling. Another instance of that is in John 8. Mm. Um, Classic. Yeah, verses 39 through 58. I don't think we'll, we'll read all of them, but this is an, an encounter, a, an altercation with um, Jewish leadership where things get really, really ramped up. Yeah. And uh, Jesus gets to the point of even saying that uh, their father is the devil. Yeah. And um, so this, as this escalates, uh, there's a point in the text in uh, in chapter eight, verse forty-eight, uh, where the Jews uh, are questioning Jesus, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I mean, that the ultimate insult <laughs> yeah. for a Jew, right? Oh my goodness! Yeah, are you not a Samaritan? Yeah, like you know, your mother wears army boots. Yeah, and you're, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, and have a demon, uh, and Jesus responds, I don't have a demon. I honor my father. Um, so he goes on, truly, truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So Jesus, as well, is, is adding fuel to this fire on purpose. Yeah. And He doesn't and really back down from a fight. He doesn't um, <laughs> at all. Yeah. In fact, he, of course, he knew the things that he was telling them yeah. w- w- were going to infuriate these people. Yeah. Uh, but he keeps it up. Yeah. And, um, and it gets to the point where where the Jew says, now we know you have a demon. After um, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. They said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Mm. And they're speaking, of course, of physical death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Mm. And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Again, there's the question. Who are you? Who, are you? Yeah. Who do you think you are in, in terms of what the uh, Jews were saying here? Jesus answered and said, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Mm. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And then if, if there's any question on what Jesus was saying, yeah. uh, they come to our, the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, come to our rescue in verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And of course, what Jesus was saying is that by saying, before Abraham was, I am, he's declaring himself to be the voice of the burning bush in Exodus 3. Yeah. I am that I am. Right. And like in the Greek, in the Septuagint, 
that phrase, ego eimi. Ego eimi. Right? And that's exactly what Jesus says here. And he says it again in John 18 when they come to arrest him. You weren't yes. going there, were you? No. Okay, but, but yeah. we can. Yeah. You know, who, which one of you is Jesus of Nazareth? And he goes, I am. I am. And they all fall on their face. It's right. kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit of who he really is. Kind of like when Peter, James, and John see Jesus transfigured, right? And they, boom, they hit their face. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, another instance of a um, of an altercation that intensified because of Jesus' claim to divinity, yeah. to deity. Right. And, of course, the third one is in John 10, mm. uh, which... Uh, verses 22 through 30 cover. And in this passage, um, basically, we could, we could just come down to verse 30 where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And there's some context before that, um, talking about my sheep, Jesus' sheep, the sheep hear my voice and I know them, they follow me, I give them eternal life, they will never perish, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm. Um and so the, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So here Jesus is equating himself with the Father mm. and then sums it up by saying, I and the Father are one. And then again, verse 31, yeah. the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Yeah. So if there's any question of what Jesus is saying in these Gospels, uh, we know by the, the reaction of the Jews uh, that they considered this to be blasphemy mm. and, and worthy of death. Yeah. So on three separate occasions, uh, we see a very clear declaration by Jesus that uh, that He is equal, one with the Father. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I'll just share a couple. These are these are three three instances in John that I'll use when I'm witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And so the way I'll, I'll do it is I'll ask them first to read a passage from the Old Testament quite a bit. So like with this first one, this is in John 12, 37 through 43. But I asked them first, can we read Isaiah 6? And so I asked them, you know, in the year King Uzziah died, right there, they're looking at that. And I saw the Lord, it's Yahweh Sabaoth, right? The Lord of hosts, God of angel armies kind of mm-hmm. thing. I saw the Lord of hosts high and lifted up, lofty, right? And the train of his robe f- filled the temple and the, the cherubim there. It's cherubim or seraphim? The angels go, yes, yeah, yeah, they go, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? right? The earth is full of his glory. So I'll have them read that and then I'll ask a simple question Who did Isaiah see? And they're, they're gonna go, Jehovah, mm-hmm. right? Jehovah, Isaiah saw Jehovah. And I'll ask them, well, can, can we read John 12, verses 37 through 43? And each time I'll have them read it, you know, I'm not reading, I'll let them do it out of their own, their own scriptures. Right. Which is fine. So in John 12, uh, Jesus has already raised Lazarus from the dead. And in John 11, the Sanhedrin plots to kill him, right? It's better for one man to die than for the whole nation, mm-hmm. you know, to perish. So now Jesus is in Jerusalem. And uh, starting in verse 37, he said, uh, John writes, But though Jesus had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. And this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he wrote, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's 53, chapter 53 of Isaiah. But John continues, 
For this reason, they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, and now he's about to quote chapter 6, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I healed them. John writes, These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who's the him? Yeah. Well, you know who the him is based on verses 42 through 43. Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. So, Dan, would a Jew be cast out of the synagogue for confessing that Yahweh is Yahweh? Absolutely not. (laughs) Would they be, at this time, kicked out of the synagogue for confessing that Jesus is Yahweh? You bet. Yeah, and we saw that, right? Yes. in John 9, especially with the blind man, because he's saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And if you if you said that, you would be cast out of the synagogue. And right. they did cast him out of the synagogue for that. Which and that of, was huge. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Yes. Right? You lose your community. Yeah. You, yeah. This is, this is like the ultimate punishment. Right. And so they will not, out of fear, confess, even though they believe that Jesus is him, and who's the him? The him is the one that Isaiah saw. That's awesome. Right? Isaiah saw him. And this is before before Abraham was, I am. Before Isaiah, I am. I mean, this is the ego, this is the God of Israel. That's right. This is the Lord of hosts. So that's pretty cool, uh, showing that he and God are one. And in John 17, uh, verse 6 through 11, this is in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Before, before asking them to read this, just ask them a simple question. What is God's name? What is God's name? And they'll love to answer that, <laughs> right? With the Jehovah. It's right. Jehovah. Jehovah. That's God's name. So, okay, then I'll ask them, can we read John 17, 6 through 11? And let them read it. And so this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept my word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you for the words which you gave me, I have given to them and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all these things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been given, I have been glorified in them. I no longer, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one." Now, it's interesting. He says, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me. But those, those words, if you have the NAS, keep them in your name, the name, that's italicized, which means that's not in the Greek. So the Greek would literally read, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me. So Jesus says, like oh, the question you would ask a Jehovah's Witness is, what does Jesus say his name is? And I did this, you know, I've done this with Jehovah's Witnesses. And they get a little bit upset. Because they say, I mean, you're forced to say his name, 
is his father's name. His father gave him his, the father's name. So you ask, like, what is the name of Jehovah? <laughs> it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Yeah, right? Jesus' name is Jehovah. And it's really interesting that he's calling himself, he's saying that he's synonymous with, or he has the name of the Lord. In Isaiah 30, verse 27, this phrase, the name of the Lord, uh, Hashem, right? It gets personified. And verse 27 says, Behold, the name of the Lord comes from a remote place. Burning is his anger and dense is his smoke. His lips are filled with indignation and his tongue is like a consuming fire. The name of the Lord comes from a remote place. Hashem comes. And Jesus is calling himself, you know, he is the name of the Lord personified. It's really interesting. So I'll give just one more unless you wanted to comment on that. Did you want to? Oh, go for it. No, okay. You, so the last awesome, bro. The last one I wanted to do um, is from John two, when Jesus is in the temple, and so uh, the first question I'll ask them is, "Who raised Jesus from the dead? Who raised Jesus from the dead?" And they will say, uh, "God did." You know, Jehovah did. And I'll ask them, well, can you show me a passage where it says that God raised Jesus from the dead? And, you know, sometimes they'll cite Romans 10, 9, where it says, like, if you believe or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right, Vita? Yeah, <laughs> a little dog barking out there. So, uh, yeah, clearly, Paul clearly says that God raised Jesus from the dead. And yet, let's check out John chapter 2. I'll ask him, can we read John chapter 2 uh, with this scene in uh, the temple? And so Jesus has been driving out uh, the, the, the money changers, turning over their tables, and uh, his disciples written that it was, uh, remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews said to him, this is verse 18, then the Jews said to him, behold, what sign do you show us as to, for your authority to do these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. Then the the Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. That kind of comes back to what you were starting uh, our podcast series with about how after Jesus rose from the dead and he explained to them those scriptures concerning him, it totally reframed the way that they read the Absolutely. Old Testament, right? And so this yes. is an example of like of that happening. But the question that I'll ask the Jehovah's Witnesses after, you know, who raised Jesus from the dead, they'll read that um, verse, 20, uh, verse 19, when Jesus says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. You just ask them a simple question. Who did Jesus said? rose him from the dead or raised him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And then the conversation shifts, <laughs> right? Because it's very clear that Jesus said that he would raise himself up from the dead. And of course, he hints at that in yeah. John 10, I believe also when he says, it's, you know, no one takes my life from me, right? It's mine to lay down and it's mine to take back up again, right? He has yes. the power to raise himself back from the dead, but God raised him from the dead. So I guess he's God. Right. 
stands to reason. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. And, and uh, as we do, I want to encourage you and challenge you from a, a parable, or actually a, a passage in John 1. It says, he came, Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who would receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That word receive is, is pretty awesome. It's lombano, basically. And it means to like take something by force, to go get it. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable about a treasure hidden in a field. And a man found this treasure hidden in a field. And so in his joy, he went and sold everything he had to go get that field, to, have the, to, to buy the field so that he could have that treasure. Like he gave it all and he did it as quick as he could. And he did it with joy. He gave his all to go get that treasure. And guys, that's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. That's a picture of how to get into the kingdom of heaven and what God did to allow us to get into the kingdom of heaven. Because in one sense, Jesus treasured us. He, we, in a sense, are that treasure in a field that Jesus would give everything to get, to receive us. But if you want to get into the kingdom of God, you have to view Jesus as that treasure. Because Jesus really is that ultimate treasure. <laughs> we are treasured by him because he is such an amazing, I mean, he is God. He is the Lord of all. And he gave all for us. And so I want to encourage you today if you're seeing, if you've been hearing in your spirit that you need to give your life to Jesus, it's not just like praying some magic words, you know, it's not that. It's treasuring Jesus like that treasure in a field. It's valuing him the way he truly is, which is the Lord of heaven and earth. And the Lord of heaven and earth would lay down his life for us. That's just incredible. He's treasured you like that. And so I want to encourage you to receive him, to lombano him today, to go get him. All right. Well, Dan, thanks again for sharing all your knowledge with us and Thank presenting you, the gospel so well for us. Would you, um, would you mind praying for, for us? Not at all. All right. Father God, we come to you humbly uh, with a more clear realization of what you have left for us in your revelation. Um, we thank you, God, that you have not left yourself without a witness mm. and that you chose to use men to write down the accounts mm. of the life of the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ, for us even today. We thank you, Lord, that um, you have... Uh, given us uh, such unique perspectives from the gospel writers that all come to the same point that Jesus is Lord. And to even see that um, fleshed out with, uh, with the theology of Paul, with Peter, with all the New Testament writers, Lord, it is a consistent narrative that Jesus is Lord. He is to be worshiped. He is the Savior um, of the world. God, thank you for um, preserving that for us. Thank you for being uh, a God of faithfulness and love and grace and mercy. And thank you, Lord, for grafting us in uh, to your kingdom 
uh, through faith in your Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, would you please just challenge all of us to go deeper and deeper into what is has come from a supernatural origin, mm. your Word, Lord, and it is alive and powerful and sharper than, than any two-edged sword. And God, because of that, would you uh, just draw us deeper in that we might uh, come to see you, come to know you, come to experience you, come to love you on deeper and deeper levels, and that we, as a result, would walk in a way that pleases you, and that we would be heralds of this truth, God, that Jesus is Lord, and that you offer salvation to all who call upon his name. Mm. And Lord, we just want to lift this up to you. And thank you for this opportunity um, that we have that that truth may be um, shouted, Lord, to the ends of the earth uh, through this medium. And uh, we pray, God, that it would have um, the effect that you desire and that it would um, just take root in the hearts of, of the listeners and in each of, uh, of us as well here, Phil and myself. Yeah. And um, Lord, we just thank you that, uh, that you are who, who you are and that you did what you did. And we just commit ourselves afresh unto you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Take my